Oh, Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for what you have done in our lives. Thank you for what you did these last 21 days. And thank you for what you're going to do for the days to come. So, Father, as we jump into the scriptures and spend just a little bit of time as a church family looking back and looking ahead, would you help us just to have a sense of your presence and that there would be a unity that we have in the gospel because of what you have done and what you are continuing to do in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, I used an illustration on uh, my message about the purpose of a map. Uh, I talked about how a map helps you figure out where you're at and uh, where, you're <clears throat> where you're trying to go. That's kind of the purpose of this Sunday. Uh, I, a couple of years ago, I called it State of the Church because I was trying to beat the president to the State of the Union. Uh, but really, I feel like we could call it Map Sunday. So I just want to take a few moments with you to just kind of look back at 2017 and what we saw God do and also look forward. And the centering text for this is Riverwood's key text. So if you brought a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Ezekiel 47. Uh, Ezekiel 47. Uh, this is a passage about a river. You're going to hear about it here in just a moment. And uh, later in the verse, we're not going to get to it, but later in the section, it, there's a bunch of trees. So now you kind of know where Riverwood's name comes from. Uh, this is our, our key passage. And I just want to point out a few things about it because I'm going to use it to help us look back and also look forward. So let me read Ezekiel 47, 1 through 6. Then he, the he here is an angel who's been giving Ezekiel a tour of the temple. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, but the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the threshold, uh, sorry, below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate, led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Well, going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits. That's about 1,500 feet, just so you know. And then led me through the water. And it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand, led me through the water, and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through. For the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. As this river flows, imagine we're in the river. And sometimes you got to come to the bank and, and just stop and kind of look back up the river. You know, kind of look at the map and see where you've been before you continue on forward. And, and so I want to look back. One of the things that I pray for daily for Riverwood is for our spiritual and numerical growth. And I almost always try to pray for it in that order, spiritual and numerical. I'm kind of catching on why God has put that on my heart. Uh, this, this book, God Dreams, by a, a, a church consultant named Will Mancini, he wrote a book called Church Unique. And in that book, he argued that every church should have kind of their own unique DNA, their own 
fingerprint, that you shouldn't just copy some other church, see what they're doing and go, oh, I like that, and just try to apply it. That because of every church is made up with different people, they're in different cultures, different contexts, every church should look unique. However, after doing this with thousands of churches, he said he started to discover that there were like these 12 templates that, that almost all of these unique church DNA vision statements could fall within 12 different uh, uh, templates. And so that's what this book was about, finding your God dream among these 12 templates. So as I was reading it, I started going through the 12 templates, and it starts becoming obvious that the template that just resonated with me was gospel saturation. That I felt that when God was calling me to start a church, it was to take the gospel to those who needed it. It wasn't just to start a club that everyone could come and feel comfortable with or to try and start something that would be the coolest thing in the world. It was this idea that, no, we need to see the gospel go forth, and it would just saturate Iowa. That's why I came up with this crazy idea that God is calling us to reach 10% of our slice of Iowa. If we just said Waverly alone, that's about, we, we just kind of roughly estimated 50%. We, we, uh, 50% of Waverly is not connected in the church. And, I, and this isn't even dipping into Janesville or Denver or Shell Rock or Plainfield. And that. This is just Waverly. That, that at least 5,000 people are not connected into a church. And we're going to think that probably a lot of them do not have a relationship with Jesus. And we just said, you know what? We're just going to pray for 10%. That God would just give us 10%. But then suddenly that made me realize like, that's 500 people. And, and the goal of the dream is not to grow to become a church of 500. The goal of the dream is to baptize 500 people that they found life in Christ and are going public with their faith by being baptized. And suddenly that just seems overwhelming to me. Like I do not possess the gifts, the charisma, the, the talent to help reach 500 people and see them baptized. I mean, guys like Billy Graham, sure, but not Aaron Bird. Even if my wife and I decided, you know what, we'll divvy this in half. We'll, 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 we'll each take 250. I, I can't do it. That's why for this vision to be reached, it takes our spiritual growth. It takes each of us getting saturated in the gospel ourselves. That the more in love with Jesus we become, the more naturally it oozes out of us. And then we can invite people to find and follow Jesus. And we don't have to do it in some really weird car salesman type of way that it just becomes a natural part of who we are. And I see that here in Ezekiel 47. A couple of things I want to point out in Ezekiel 47. The first thing is that that river, that water, I believe represents Jesus. I believe it is a prophetic representation of Jesus. Here's why. First, we see the water beginning to come from the temple. Well, the temple was the place of worship. It's where they believed God's presence was. Well, Jesus came from heaven, came from the throne the ultimate place of worship, the ultimate place of God's presence. Then you see right there in verse 1 that this uh, go, this uh, river, this little bit of trickle of water, it goes right by the altar. The altar was the place of sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin. Well, Jesus himself went through the cross, the place of sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sin. And there's others I could point out, but the last thing I'll just mention is that down in verse 9, this river crashes into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea uh, has the Jordan River flowing into it and some other tributaries, but there's no outlet. And so all the minerals, the salt, everything, it just ends up staying. And so it's so thick with minerals that nothing can live within it. But when this river crashes into it, 
Now the Dead Sea is teeming with life. In fact, the passage says that it has as many fish as the, the Great Sea, meaning the Mediterranean. Jesus came to give life and give it abundantly. So I am convinced that this river is Jesus. But then notice what Ezekiel does. He walks through the river four times. First ankle deep, then up to his knees, then it's at his waist, and then finally that fourth time, every 1,500 feet, that last time, he can't touch the bottom. The, the way we put this at Riverwood is we call this our pathway. It's gather, grow, give, go. It's really easy to gather, to step in, to get ankle deep. I mean, you can feel the current. I, I hope that you feel God's presence here. But we want to see you go deeper. We don't want to be a Sunday church. We want to be an everyday church. And so that's why we want to see you growing, getting knee deep. We, we, we talk about taking a two-handed approach to spiritual growth. First, through sp personal spiritual disciplines, things like reading the Bible, praying. That's part of what this whole fasting thing was all about. But then the other part is doing it in relationship with others. That's why we offer growth groups. Because something happens when you get with others. And it's not just hearing one voice, the sage on the stage, speaking what he's learned all week. It's getting together with others who are opening up the scriptures and, and starting to say, man, did you see this? Did you notice this? And you start encouraging each other and you're praying for one another. You're growing. You're getting knee deep. But then next, we want to see you getting wasty. We want to see you give. And the way we say it is we want to see you give of your fist, your finances, your influence, your skills, and your time. That you would open up your fist, you'd open up your hand to these things that we so often want to hold on to, our money, our time, you know, all these things. And we open it up and we give it to God. Because as we're doing that, we're letting him begin to use us more and more. It's like the current of the river just continuing to beckon us deeper. We feel the pull more as we give. But ultimately, we want you in over your head. Because think about it. If you're in a river where you can't touch bottom, the river's now in control. The river can take you wherever it wants. And that's what we want to see in your life. That you would allow this river to take you into your job. That it would take you into your school. That it would take you into your neighborhood. It would take you into different service clubs and organizations. It would take you into these relationships. And what are you taking with you? The river. Jesus, you're taking the gospel. And I think we're seeing it. I think we're seeing that spiritual growth. Just you guys coming up here and sharing in, into the mic just began to give evidences of what we've seen God do this year. There's some other things that we've seen God do. You know, small things like having to buy a new case of Bibles this year. Right? That means people are taking the Bibles. I hope they're not just decorations on people's shelves, that they're actually using them. But to me, that was exciting, that we had to order another case of Bibles. We've seen other small things, some of which you heard just here. But we've also seen some really big things God doing in taking us deeper spiritually. Uh, for one, we, we saw that this year, Riverwood became financially self-sustaining. That's a huge deal for a new church. You know, it, most they said, uh, the statistics said you really need to re reach that by year three. Because if you don't reach it by year three, usually you die by year four. We didn't reach it by year three. And so it just became a big prayer request. And so it was so exciting to say that December 31st, we had so much income that we covered our expenses. And that means any of the outside giving is now a surplus for Riverwood. That's just a testimony to the generosity of you and how God is using you as you give in your worship. And we have now these, these funds that continue to fuel the mission that God's given us. The other big thing we saw this year was the start of a temporary leadership team. 
my, my dream has always been to have this team of leaders, these elders. To me, an, an elder pastor, it's the same thing. I wanted to have this team together. And, and so one of the steps we decided to take to work us towards that was to start this temporary leadership team. And, and these guys have been phenomenal. I, I wish you could be there when, when Jamie Hindman and Jacob Tooze and Tim Corcoran gather with Jeff and myself. And, and this team started with the idea that we were going to do two things. We were going to finalize up our legal documents, really exciting stuff like working on church constitution and bylaws, and then to figure out what's the process we're going to take to identify elders, to vet them, to install them, so that then they can lead our church family. So that's the direction we were going. And God in his sovereignty saw to place, put them in place so that they could then help us wrestle with location. Where are we going to go? You know, to, to kind of work on the budget. Suddenly these things that, that, that kind of came in, they were able to speak into. And you would think that stuff like that would just make you go, oh, glad that's over. And I found myself instead walking away from our meetings, excited for the future of Riverwood. Riverwood is at its healthiest place ever. And not just because of where we're at financially, not just because God has now put this leadership team in place. We are the healthiest ever because of who you guys are and what we're seeing happen. I mean, from starting a new growth group to starting a new middle school group, I mean, we are seeing all sorts of things happen. And it's good. It's healthy. It's wonderful. So we just have to stop and look back and praise God for what he's done. Because I think that a lot of the work he did in 2017 is setting some of the foundational work that he wants to do in 2018. I think it would be a big, huge mistake for us to kick back and go, wow, 2017 was awesome. Look, look at what God did. I mean, he increased our numbers on Sundays. We saw all these things happen. Whew, that's great. Let's just kind of, let's just bask in it. Now, let, let's bask for one Sunday. But let's realize that this is not just a picture we now gaze at. It's a launching pad into what he has coming up. And so I just want to take a moment to now direct your attention to what is coming for Riverwood. Because I think our best days are to come. And I want us as a church family to band together and decide, here's how we're going to go after it. And the way I want to do that this year is I want us to focus on the gospel. Now you may be thinking, Aaron, you talk about the gospel every single Sunday. Like, we take communion every Sunday. I mean, you keep driving to it. We already do that. And I want to say, yeah, but there's a reason. And I want to illustrate this with darts. So, Justin, would you come help me? All right. So, this is an exercise in faith as well. Because Justin's going to throw darts at me. Some of you saw him practicing a little bit before. Okay. Now, he says I have to hold this at six foot, which is just slightly higher than me. Okay, yeah, my belly button is, my, I've got a really deep belly button already. It doesn't need any more help. All right, so Justin, oh, just so you know, Justin not only runs a couple of dart leagues, he's actually a state champion in darts. So I'm not too concerned here, but you can start praying for me if you want. All right, how do you do? Ooh, look at that. Okay, now, couple of couple of questions for Justin. All right, what you said there's a couple of different games you like playing. What what are they called? Cricket. Five o one. Okay, so cricket. There's certain scoring, right? Okay, so. Okay, so what would you have scored here? 
Okay, so why nothing? Okay. Okay, so you have to hit 20 through 15. So if, Justin, if you had hit it right here, what would you have scored? An X, okay. Oh, wow, okay. To get in three, okay. So if you got three bullseyes, what would that be? We'd close that. Okay. 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 So you, you get here, he would get 50 points. Okay. So if you had had two here, but one here, you got nothing. Okay. If you'd gone out here, it's even nothing. All right. Just a few centimeters off changes it. All right. Just, just getting it right off. That's what happens with the gospel. So often, we're aiming, thinking, oh, I know the gospel. I know this story. And we think, yeah, I, I know how to get the bullseye. But yet, so often, when then things happen in life, it starts revealing that maybe we don't know the gospel quite like we think we do. Because we start looking, and when things aren't going well in life, we think, well, man, I, I, I know Jesus. I know God. Isn't God good? Why would he let me go through this? And we start doubting his goodness, and so therefore, we start doubting the gospel. Revealing that we don't quite know the gospel like we think we do. Or, or when we're needing something, we want stuff. And we know that God is a generous God. And so we start praying for it, but he just doesn't seem to be giving it. Suddenly we're revealing that we, we maybe don't understand the gospel quite as much because we, we start to panic that we aren't getting what we think we need. Or, or when our health maybe isn't quite what we think it should be. Or when other things. We are regularly finding out that we don't keep the gospel at the center of our lives like we think we do. Because we sit there and say, yeah, I know the gospel, but then when life happens, we're suddenly out here. I can't get this to stick. I'm not a state dart champion, obviously. Right? But, do you, but do you see my point? Justin got good at this by practicing. He kept learning. He, he learned how to stand, how to throw. He started building the muscle memory. It's just practice and practice and practice. That's what I want us to do as a church family. I want us, in a sense, to practice the gospel. I want us to get to a place where we learn it so well that we can just speak it, that we can think it, that, that we just live it. And so here's what we're going to do. Next week, we're going to start a brand new series called The Gospel. And through the series, we're going to be looking at first, we've got to learn the gospel. And by learning it, meaning we need to relearn and relearn and relearn, kind of like getting the muscle memory. Because the more you understand the gospel, you start realizing it's a diamond and you start turning it and you keep seeing all these facets and this beauty about it. And it continues to keep you wowed and in awe. Because then the more you learn it, the more it affects how you think. Then you'll be able to start preaching the gospel to yourself so that when the health crisis comes, when you lose your job, when you and your spouse are having some issues with one another, instead of reacting just like the way the world does, you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind as you allow the gospel to become the filter and then it'll affect the way you interact with your spouse. It'll affect the way you do this parenting. It'll affect the way you act in your job because it's changing how you think. But it is also going to change how you speak. It's going to change how you speak to one another. That suddenly when someone starts saying, man, I'm going through a really difficult time, instead of just 
Oh, man, that stinks. I, I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll be praying for you. No, you can start saying, hey, you got to remember, the gospel says, and you'll start speaking this life into them because you're already learning it and thinking it, so now you'll be able to speak it. And then, as it just becomes so much of who you are, you just naturally begin to live it. And as we allow them, the story of Jesus and what he did on a cross and through a grave become the center of who we are, it transforms our homes, it transforms our relationships, it transforms our workplaces, it transforms our neighborhoods, and suddenly we find ourselves naturally inviting the spiritually disconnected to find and follow Jesus. And we begin to accomplish the mission that God has given us. And suddenly, 500 baptisms isn't so difficult. Because if God is doing that in each and every one of us, suddenly we just begin to see it happen over and over and over. And we will see our region saturated with the gospel. That's what I want to see happen in 2018. So as we start that series, uh, the gospel next week, um, I've never done this before, but uh, I got books for it to be a companion uh, to it. It's uh, called Gospel Fluency by Jeff Vanderstelt. There is a free copy over there on the table for each of you. Um, I encourage you to take it inside of each copy. I don't have it with me here, but um, uh, there's a bookmark, and that bookmark kind of has a reading plan. Basically, it's three chapters every week, all right? So if you want, pick up a book, and then this week, read part one, chapters one, two, and three. Uh, it's easy to read. Jeff's a, a really good writer, uh, great little stories, uh, but then just chock full of content, and I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, as you can tell in mine, um, I enjoyed it a little too much. It's like every single page is highlighted, all right? Uh, it, it was, it's that good. Um, pick it up. Because I know some of you and your generous hearts, you're going to, need to say, no, Aaron, really, can we buy it, all right? If you want to throw like an extra $15 into the giving box, you may. Just include it with your offering. But seriously, you don't have to. I want everyone to have a copy that wants one. Take it with you and read it, okay? And just make it a companion. Now, we're not going to be walking through it. I'm not going to be preaching from it. But you'll notice that the way I've structured my messages, they are going to fit with parts two, three, four, and five. So we'll be doing each one of those uh, each week. So we'll come hear the message. And then for those of you who want, supplement what you're learning on Sundays and in your growth groups uh, with, with reading this. Um, I, I got to just finish with this. I am more excited about Riverwood and Riverwood's future than ever before because I'm able to look back and see all that God did in 2017 and even, even further. I see his incredible faithfulness. I see what he's doing in you. I see who you guys are. And it just gets me more excited than, than ever before for what is ahead. And that is a wonderful place to be. I just sit here in awe of God and what he has done to create this and, and what he's doing in you. And so I am excited to watch God do even more in you. I want to do anything and everything I can to help you just continue to go deeper with Jesus. So that's why I just want to invite you to just jump in the river with me. You just pick up your feet when you let this river just take you wherever it wants. Because I would love for us to have more open mic times and you to be able to come and say, I saw God do this, and I saw God do this, and I saw God do this. All because we were willing to just continue to relearn the gospel, to not make it, as Tim Keller says, the ABC of the Christian faith, just the start, but the A to Z of the Christian faith. We just allow God to draw us deeper into him through this gospel, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we watch him do what only he can do. So Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this chance to worship you uh, through the music, to worship you through communion, and to uh, worship you now through just a cast and vision, seeing what you have ahead for us. 
uh, God, this is your church. It's not mine. Uh, I, I thank you for allowing me to lead it, to, to, to love these people. Um, but ultimately, God, this is about drawing these hearts, these people to you. And so, God, I pray that you'd help each of us individually to go deeper with you, that we would go deeper in that river, we'd go deeper in our relationship with Jesus. And as we do, we would watch you do something phenomenal through us. So, God, we just give ourselves to you as individuals and as a church family to do with us as you see fit for your glory and for our joy. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.